welcome to our fifth episode on our Block and Roll podcast. Today, we are going to be talking to an expert, Roberto Infante, who is writing a book about Ethereum. We'll be talking about Ethereum, Ether, Ethereum's cryptocurrency, and decentralized apps. Great intro. Let's begin the show. Let's, Let's roll! Okay, Pierre, what news have you got for this week? Yes, so uh, news from around the block. Um, my top one is that the World Bank has announced that it's going to be launching the first bond that's going to be created, allocated and managed using blockchain. It's a pretty significant story because of the amount of bonds that the World Bank issues. That's great. So I guess this is a big news uh, for the emerging technologies. Yeah, for, it is. And, blockchain. It, and one of the things that they kind of picked out of the key reasons why they wanted to use blockchain was to reduce the amount of intermediaries. That's great. That, that's the whole point of using blockchain. What about you, Kieran? You heard anything? Well, the big news this week has been the decline of the cryptocurrencies um, around the around, around the globe. So, it's like bloodletting, isn't it? Yeah, indeed. Um, the cryptocurrencies is at new lows. And this is attributed to the fact that the Securities Exchange and Commission's board has postponed its decision about approving Bitcoin ETFs to late September or early next year. Remind me again, just because I might have forgotten, what are ETFs? Exchange-traded funds. It's really significant, presumably, because of the volume of money that would have been coming in. Probably this has caused a bit of a, pa- a, bit of a panic among the hodlers, and, um, and I think that's, that's probably the reason. So it, is it because, basically, where Bitcoin goes, everyone else follows that it is, we're we saying that it's gone across the rest of the cryptocurrencies. Is that why we think it's affected them all? I think what happens in Bitcoin will, it will ripple across other cryptocurrencies. Yeah. So, no pun um, intended there. Well, that sounds really interesting. Shall we uh, get on with uh, talking to our main guest? Yes, of course. So a little bit of introduction about Roberto Infante. Uh, Roberto Infante is a software consultant who specializes in finance. He's worked on many innovative projects such as first internet mortgage approval application and online insurance underwriting system in London. And his current book is called Building Ethereum DApps. So thank you for joining us on the show, uh, Roberto. Um, Can you tell me what is Ethereum? Yes. So Ethereum is a platform that um, allows you to to write, uh, deploy, and run decentralized applications. So a decentralized application is an application runs on a network of thousands of nodes. A node is like a computer, right? It's just a computer, isn't it? Yeah, it's just a computer. Now, Ethereum, it's a, I would say it's a natural consequence of uh, uh, blockchain technology if we start from Bitcoin that was... Um, I'd say it was the first decentralized application based on blockchain technology, and actually was designed explicitly uh, to support uh, a cryptocurrency. Uh, now, Ethereum adds on the top of of the blockchain the possibility of writing any sort of decentralized application, not only cryptocurrencies. So that's the the big innovation of Ethereum with respect to uh, previous, let's say, blockchain-based cryptocurrencies. Uh, How does it do that? Um, Basically, it introduces a virtual machine, a little bit like the Java virtual machine, 
all the .NET uh, CLR, um, introduces a virtual machine that communicates seamlessly with the, with the Ethereum blockchain. So can you compare? Can you compare like uh, we have uh, an Apple phone, iPhone, or an Android phone? They are, they are platforms, and anybody can build anybody can build applications, apps on top of it. So can can it be compared like that? So uh, Ethereum is like a, like a power platform, and uh, you can build any D apps, and then put in Ethereum and users can use it. Is, is that a good analogy? Uh, yes, I would say the analogy is more like it's Ethereum like it was your computer, I would say. So it's uh, the infrastructure that allows you to deploy uh, uh, an application written uh, in certain languages. Yeah. That so it's, it's providing infrastructure um, exactly. around you know, for people to build um, blockchain yeah, applications. Typical blockchain applications that exploit correctly, uh, take advantage correctly of blockchain technologies are applications that track ownership of something. Uh, for example, typical examples are notary applications. Yeah, yeah. which means that we in the future, right, we don't need to go to notaries to say, oh, okay, can you, uh, can you provide uh, like a stamp, like a proof that, you know, I'm so-and-so resident of of this place um, or yes, um, in I, I own so-and-so. Um, and at the moment, right, they, they charge a premium just for you take your documents there, you know, they just see the documents like a utility bill or a passport and then just just give you a stamp and then probably, I don't know, they charge like $200 or you know, 200 pounds exactly. or something, isn't it? Whereas with this, right, you know, now the trust is, that trust is provided by the technology and you can implement implications like this using Exactly. Um, actually, uh, if we talk about a notary application, also the, I would say, the certification uh, of the summary of the document, once it's stored in the blockchain against the address of the owner of the asset, then you have both the proof that the asset is what it is, and then uh, that the owner is the actual owner. So you have both uh, proofs guaranteed by blockchain technology. So with this, I mean, there's a wider point, I think, around this, which is kind of in, in terms of a lot of businesses, which is uh, what they call Know Your Customer, KYC. So if you're talking about uh, ID, blockchain ID, it might not be just it might not be just the big things like your house or um or just you know like big big kind of assets that you might want to have notarized or even you know just generally about yourself being notarized that there's a whole lot of use cases right now i think that could be could be around the kyc point which is that you know if you want to get hold of like a, a sim in places like germany you need to have a a video um, made basically to prove who you are, and you need to have something to sign off. I mean, there's a lot, there's a whole lot of steps basically they have to go through to get like basic, basic pieces of technology in, in terms of um, getting uh, access to even broadband or, or connectivity, all that kind of stuff. So if it's easy for people to get um, to prove who they are, it's not just developing countries or or for very big big things. It's tiny little things now that can make it easier for people to do as well. I think. Uh, yes. Um, for example, in the case of uh, know your customer regulations that you can do through blockchain, the point there is that you can store, I would say, uh, the, the customer, the the person that needs to be verified will provide all the data. Um, then the service, the blockchain service, will uh, verify. Uh, that data, I would say, 
in a conventional way, but then it will store the verification of those pieces of data on the blockchain. So when a client mm. wants that yeah. person to be verified, then the person yeah. can supply uh, a kind of absolutely so you can do it multiple times you don't have to keep getting yourself verified once you're verified exactly. once and you just keep using that as a service effectively yes exactly and the advantage of being on the blockchain is that all the parties involved will know that nothing has been manipulated and yeah. they, because they will trust the technology and they will trust the verification so can you differentiate between uh, ether and ethereum and you know you see people buying either online for investments and and, and for other purposes maybe to use it in the future. So can you can you sort of elaborate you know how these two things fit together? Obviously, uh, given that blockchain technology is becoming, uh, I would say, um, valuable yeah. as a technology, people assign an economical value to to the uh, crypto. Uh, currency and it can be exchanged into conventional currency but the the advantage in the in the case of ethereum is not only that it's a pure cryptocurrency as bitcoin or other many cryptocurrencies is that it can be used within the uh, ethereum ecosystem to uh, move value across decentralized applications for example, uh, there are applications that are already uh, integrating with the Internet of Things or they talking about in future uh, supporting um, also uh, uh, driverless uh, cars. The, let's say, the entity deciding uh, when a payment should take place, for example, um, uh, or uh, or accepting payments, obviously, from customers. Um, but they talk even about uh, cases uh, as far as interaction between machine and human, where the human is a supplier of a service. For example, in the case of a driverless car, uh, the driverless car could drive itself to a service station and uh, have itself serviced by a human, and uh, the human would take a payment from the car. Uh, can I can I just ask a question about IoT? I mean, it, it's one of those areas that's quite interesting, obviously, because a lot of these there's a lot of a lot of interesting applications that could be used for blockchain. But one of the things um, I've heard said from people who are involved with it is that the devices currently, as they're spec'd, are um, they're designed to be small. They don't have a lot of compute power, so it's quite difficult for them to do things like uh, run blockchain or, or to to do the communication you'd need for blockchain because there's potentially a lot of signaling involved and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm just wondering, how do we, how, what do you think would be the solution if you're talking about using blockchain for IoT? How do we, how do we get, a, uh, get around this issue of, um, of, of kind of processing power, et cetera? Um, well, um, I'm aware that, um, there are some clients that, that have been developed, uh, clients of, uh, of blockchain technology that have been developed uh, as uh, a cut-down version of uh, the entire blockchain, for example, uh, or uh, you could have uh, uh, cases in which you could um, do uh, different forms of synchronization for different purposes. Uh, I think, th well, this field is still uh, evolving quite a lot and there is no definite solution to it. So I think there's a there's an interesting point around how we could 
automate certain elements. So we're talking about how machines can uh, talk to machines. Um, can you talk to us about smart contracts? What are smart contracts and how can they can be used in, in, in these solutions? <laughs> Uh, well, um, it's funny you say talk about machines because uh, one of the first analogies uh, of uh, smart contracts was actually uh, that of a vending machine. So you can think uh, about uh, a smart contract a little bit of as a vending machine because it takes a payment, uh, it accepts some input. For example, you choose the product that you want to take from the vending machine. And then it performs a service, uh, obviously delivers the product and, and, the, and the change. But um, it can be also seen as a, so if you take the two words of smart and contract, so now the contract side of it is uh, that it's a piece of software that um, uh, stick to certain rules that have been coded uh, uh, with a programming language. Uh, and uh, it will execute, I would say, it will uh, execute some logic depending on how it's been coded for the purpose intended. And it's smart, obviously, because it's automated. So it's like a traditional contract, but on steroids, because uh, uh, the, the, the contract is being enforced by itself, uh, by the technology. Uh, so for typical cases uh, of a, a smart what a smart contract can enable is the uh, sellers being paid only uh, on delivery. Um, so a smart contract that is can kind of protecting the customer, uh, and that would be uh, the innovation of blockchain with respect to normal e-commerce systems, or conventional e-commerce system. Uh, an e-commerce system based on blockchain technology would guarantee the customer that the seller would be paid only after the customer itself unlocks the... the, the yeah, payment. so it's called smart because it actually guarantees that either party receives the service or payment. Exactly. And from a technical point of view, a smart contract is as simple as a class. Um, so one of my questions, and this comes from a couple of uh, conferences I've been to where they've been talking about smart contracts, is one of the one of the issues people have been saying is that obviously uh, because it's immutable, once these things are put on, once these things are created, it's very difficult to change them. So if there's a mistake which humans are liable to make in coding, um, it's, it's it's impossible to undo that almost. Uh, you can put, obviously, clauses, uh, well, you can create um, code in there to basically destroy that uh, that smart contract. But um, I'm just wondering how you think this will be, how we can best use this. Is it going to be creating, like, effectively, like, templates? So someone's going to have to go out there and create something that people can, that well-coded templates, like we have libraries for coding, or we have libraries for smart contracts. And, and rather than building necessarily your own smart contract, you would just pull from a library of already pre-existing and well-made smart contracts and implement it that way? Yes, I think it's a very good point what you're raising because actually one of the, I'd say, um, uh, one of the aspects that at the moment makes uh, people a little bit wary of the technology is various mistakes that have happened because of uh, 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 how young the technology is and the fact that not too many people knows exactly how it works. Uh, so 
for example, the, the case that you mentioned earlier, uh, uh, contracts that have locked themselves or have been locked and have lost, basically, uh, have, uh, have made many people lose cryptocurrencies or uh, lots of money. Uh, in these cases, basically, there are two ways of, uh, I would say, uh, getting around the problem. One, as you mentioned, uh, uh, it was a very valid point you raised about using templates. Actually, there are some initiatives like um, Open Zeppelin in the in the Ethereum space. That it's a library of uh, smart contracts. So it's a, a little bit like, as you said, uh, like template or base classes that you can take advantage of to start building your own application. So you don't make, I'd say, uh, trivial mistakes. Uh, then the good practice is that you provide your smart contract with, uh, I would say, panic buttons, let's call them. Uh, and there are various sorts of panic buttons, so buttons that, I would say, uh, methods on your smart contract that can suspend the contract and so nobody can touch it unless you have figured, figured out what the problem is or other buttons that will completely destroy the contract and will move any cryptocurrency to a specific address. Um, but anyway, there are other approaches, which is uh, there are uh, consultancies uh, coming, coming, coming up that are already getting specialized in security and in reviewing smart contracts from, from all sorts of angles to, to, to make sure that you avoid these kind of problems. And there are also tools that will check your smart contract for obvious, I would say, breaches of security or mistakes that you might do, that you might make. So, so how, how, just out of interest, how would that work with your normal law firm, which employs, you think about lawyers now, they, they're used to reading contracts that are built around language that's been used for generations, basically. So it's very, there's all this legalese that they're used to reading. They won't have that to read. How will it work? Do you think there'll be, would, would, it, would it be like a, a hybrid version? So the smart contract will output something that would be, uh, there'd be the code, but there'd be an output that would be in the, the standard legal form so that lawyers and, and all the people who are generally involved in these things would be still able to, to do their job or... Um, yeah, that depends uh, very much on uh, the specific te technology. Now, Corda uh, or Hyperledger, they're trying to, to move into that kind of space where you can have um, rules described in a natural language as well. Uh, but again, this is very early days and prob probably in the future there will be... So, um, I keep hearing ERC20. So, what is ERC20? Um, ERC... I never thought it's connected to Ethereum when I heard that first. Um, I thought it's in a, it's in a, my 5 agent or something, or my 6 agent. Maybe um, it's a disease. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find out in a bit. Yeah. Yes, um, so ERC20 is simply a standard. It's a standard for, uh, for tokens written in, in the Ethereum uh, space. So... Um, basically, it's a, simply, it's an interface against you, which you develop uh, your, your token. And uh, the advantage of being a standard is that uh, a token that is supporting ERC-20 uh, obviously works in a predictable way, as, as every API would do uh, to its client. Uh, so it's pretty much... Uh, a programming interface so uh, anyone who wants to, to 
uh, let's say, uh, provide uh, the Ethereum ecosystem with a new token uh, that can be used by any participant in a standard way, then, then they would uh, better develop it following this standard because then you'd, uh, be, uh, it can be used uh, immediately by any client that supports uh, the standard. For example, typical exams examples are e-wallets, for example, um, that support the standard. So any wallet supporting ERC20 obviously supports any coins developed uh, on that. Uh, interface or crypto exchange. Does does Ethereum platform itself enforces that anybody developing for Ethereum should follow ERC twenty as a standard? Um, uh, is that the case, or uh, they strongly the encourage that? So that if you want to be part okay. of the, I would say, a good member of the Ethereum community, obviously it's best if you stick to the standard because it's in your own advantage as well. Because um, nobody would spend any time coding their client to your specific token so uh, so it's easier for you uh, if you develop uh, a, a token based on the standard it's easier for you to market it it's also it's also yeah it's also about the the opposite side isn't it that people can trust there's a trust thing that you know there's a standard out there that these guys are working to so it makes them look more trustworthy as well uh, exactly because you know that the basic operation that uh, is supported by the standard is that a token is transferable and it's transferred in a certain way. So that's the basic operation that the standard supports. Yeah. Um, so, uh, okay, now, uh, tell us more about your book and uh, what motivated you to write a book in such a, such a new technology and exciting technology? Uh, yes, I have to say that uh, I'm, I'm passionate about programming. I'm a software developer, obviously, and um, programmed since I was a child uh, so I'm naturally I'd say always interested in uh, technologies that have to do with the programming uh, and uh, then I started to follow a little bit uh, Bitcoin since the early stages um, not very early otherwise <laughs> otherwise uh, you otherwise uh, you probably <laughs> so, wouldn't be talking to us right now <laughs> <laughs> So I've always been interested in, uh, in uh, technology and software programming um, since I was a child. Uh, and, uh, and recently I've been interested, very interested in, uh, in uh, cryptocurrencies. And when Ethereum came up, it was like, the to me it was like the te technology that combined uh, my interest in uh, these emerging uh, technology cryptocurrencies and uh, programming uh, and programming. So I was naturally, uh, I'd say, interested uh, by this platform. And um, um, I started to, to look for resources and try to learn as much as I could, but I found it a bit frustrating because obviously being such a young technology, it was very difficult, difficult to find, uh, I'd say, uh, uh, stable information on it because actually the technology itself has been changing very, very quickly, and it's still changing uh, as we speak. Uh, so I would say that after, uh, as soon as I started uh, learning uh, a little bit um, uh, more about it, then I had the idea of actually writing a book on it because uh, I thought I could contribute uh, by 
making life uh, easy to other people because still now, uh, although there are different resources coming up, but there is no really, uh, uh, they're very fragmented. So for our users to buy the book, uh, I, you know, you said you're going to provide us a discount code. So we'll definitely put us on our website. Yeah. Uh, thanks a lot for uh, providing that. Uh, that was a great show. And to recap what happened today, we talked about the importance of Ethereum as a platform for the development of dApps. Also, we talked about smart contracts and how this technology will underpin the development of Internet of Things, such as connected cars. I guess the big takeaway for me is blockchain being a complementary technology to the emerging technologies like Internet of Things, connected cars. Mm. So uh, I think that that's a really big takeaway. It's not about just building applications using using blockchain, but it's it's blockchain being in this big ecosystem of the whole development of yeah you know the future development of um, anything you know most of the technologies around us so it's it's not blockchain for blockchain's sake you're saying it's about this convergence piece where you're bringing blockchain together with say iot with ai with all these different things that come together to make it successful as a as an ecosystem exactly exactly that that's what i think that, that that's um, that, that's the most important takeaway for me Okay, great. Uh, thanks for listening to this podcast and check out our website to see the promotion code for Roberto's book, Building Ethereum DApps. And remember to keep it block and roll. roll.